0: to another episode of Stories of Us. I am your host, Rupin Moretti. Today I'm here with a really special guest, Amin Guelby. Thank you so much for being here, Amin.
1: Hey, of course. Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: So I first discovered you on TikTok and you make really inspirational videos about your own life story. So tell me a little bit about your story and some of the struggles you overcame.
1: Yeah, so um, I was born and raised in France. Uh, my parents are both immigrants from Algeria. Uh, we grew up. When I say France, when I say Paris, it's not really Paris. Uh, kind of the suburb, but um, in France, it's kind of different from America. So the suburbs are kind of like the not the good neighborhoods. <laughs> if that right. kind of makes sense. So yeah, we, I grew up in that area, um, and then eventually, my dad was not really here when I grew up. He was always working, being a substitute here and there, and he was often going to islands like Madagascar, um, the island of the Reunion, etc. And my mom was not really employed at the time, and mm-hmm. still not actually and um so yeah he decided that he wanted to be closer to family etc so we moved out to the south of france um i think at 14 or something like that in a small town called Perpignan. Mm-hmm. um yeah so there it was like really like the start of my other life because um like far from all the stigma from growing up in that area of france etc so yeah i moved there um i've always been very science type of guy like um right. always wanted to be a doctor actually Mm -hmm. um eventually like we'll talk about it later but i I never um i've also always wanted to go to america like (laughs) i used to tell my grandma back in algeria i'll go to america you will see i'll go i'll go to america someday and yeah it's always been my dream to come here um my dad saved money all his life and somehow in 2016 i ended up um, in a small town of utah called cedar city Mm
0: -hmm. yeah so when you first immigrated you came here when you were 17 right? So what were some of the difficulties you kind of experienced?
1: Um, I'd say it was like first it was like mostly being alone um, I don't have any relative any family in America mm-hmm. so it was really like being on your own and being you were, hold, you were held accountable for everything you do so if I'm back home I make a mistake I will yeah, my parents are going to scream at me, but they're going to be able to help me out, right? <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> you're right. like,
1: if I make a mistake, if the bank, uh, I do something bad at school, whatever, I'm the one who has to like, own up to it, you know? So mm-hmm. just the fact that at 17, you're just thrown, and it's like you're just dropping an ice cold bucket in a whole different culture. And especially like Utah, because um, I, I, you know, I watch TV, I watch movies, I listen to music. So I had kind of an idea what the culture was going to be like in America, but Utah, is um predominantly Mormon
0: right right. um
1: yeah so that culture is really um inside like everyday day-to-day life going to church and uh behaving a certain way etc so when I got there especially as a Muslim it was just very different took me some time to actually get used to it you know and uh yeah finally like I think all international students relate to that when you don't have a car just traveling was a pain like getting to the airport going to Walmart because you need to buy food um, I was used to biking, taking the bus. But like when you're from, when you're in a small town in Cedar City, Utah, you don't have all those options. <laughs> so it was just like really a pain to go get around. And um, thank God I had friends eventually that would be able to drop me off. But at first it was just it was not fun.
0: <laughs> right, right. And you went to like a small school, small college in like Cedar City, right? Yes. So I think, especially in our society, and you even talked talk about this in some of your videos, like we focused so much on like prestige about like going to these top notch colleges. Um, I guess, what was the experience of going to the small school? Were you still able to find that same amount of value and that education?
1: Yeah, so um, it was obviously different than I expected. So I expected like before, coming to America, like everything they show you everywhere is big school, huge sport event, like a huge campus community, Um, you know, everything is big, you know, it's like a city within a city, and I was kind of expecting that experience, and eventually I found something different in southern Utah, because um, it was much smaller, so obviously it had its cons, so mainly its cons were, so I don't have a problem with education personally, I think like whether you go to Stanford or southern Utah, you're gonna especially for computer science, you're going to be taught the same things. Mm -hmm. Um, Then it's more about what you do on your free time, et cetera. So I was not so much worried about it. But the thing that was a huge kind of um, con in my education was um, not having a big network of alumni and professionals. And like when I go to my school's career fair, there was no company that were hiring for computer science people. So it was kind of a huge drawback. I just couldn't go on LinkedIn and type, company Y, Microsoft and type Southern Utah University and find somebody who works exactly what I want to do there. So it was kind of a big drawback for that um, and being able to connect with people who worked where I wanted to work and had a sense of connection. But um, one of the huge pros was just like smaller class sizes. Like I didn't feel like a cog in a huge machine. Like the professor knew my name. Um, I I remember that that one semester I would go to professor's office hours every time after class and it was just Mm -hmm. A really like good feeling um, you have a feeling of belonging basically like as a family because it's a small community and um, yeah mostly being able to speak to the teacher I didn't realize it was that big of a deal but my internship like we had those students from Cornell and they would tell me you just sit in this huge classroom and the professor you just speak to the TA kind of and that's it and I was like wow I'm, wow. I'm, I'm really grateful southern Utah I would mean, have a different experience
0: right and you studied computer science in college yes okay and so i guess whenever you're trying to go into a certain field whether it's a computer science or other something else and you don't necessarily have immediate access to like big internships maybe it's because you went to a small college what should students be focused on in order to try to get those internships and get that experience
1: yeah um so there's like this everybody knows that like this kind of paradox right you want to get either an entry-level job or your first internship and often they require you to get experience prior, which kind of doesn't make sense often. And so, um, I noticed there's this big stigma in America about unpaid internships, unpaid jobs, unpaid this, unpaid that. And I personally hate it because, um, I took an unpaid job, two unpaid jobs. Actually, my sophomore year, I took an unpaid summer. I stayed at my own expenses at my school and I worked on a small project with a professor. And then when I get back to school, I actually did tutoring for free because like, they didn't have any open position. And those two experiences were able to fill a huge void on my resume of just employment nothing you know and eventually they helped me get my first internship which eventually helped me get here so really like this whole stigma and i feel like it's because people um try to put more value inside money than experience
0: right. and i
1: think um for me the thing that really helped was prioritizing experience than money early on in my career because eventually this is you're gonna get paid back 10 times in the future
0: right And you explained like a turning point was when you were able to go to New York and work in the New York Times. Like talk to me a little bit about that internship and how you got the application process and what the experience was like.
1: Yeah, so um, it was actually a funny story because after my uh, debacle of sophomore year where I had applied to 70 plus internships, nobody responded to me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Junior year came a little different. I was like, you know what, I'm going to apply to 150, 200, I don't care. So I had this huge list of random companies, like in totally different fields that every day I would go on and I applied for five companies every day. And I remember December 20th, 20th, I believe, of 2018. And it was the time of applying to New York Times, et cetera. So I get on their website and it was literally the last day the applications were open. So I was like, oh my God, that's so lucky. So I applied. Um, a few days earlier, a recruiter reaches out and I was kind of mind blown. I was like, because it was the first time somebody <laughs> reached out to me. Right. And I was like, wow, I was like, really? Okay. And um, after we had a first phone call, like it was kind of short. Everything went great, and then I had a behavioral interview. Mm-hmm. And after that, after we passed that point, it was a final technical interview, which was with people directly on working on your team. And um, if that went great, I got an offer. And um, yeah, a few months later, I was in New York, and it was just an amazing experience. <laughs>
0: wow, <laughs> what types of work did you do at the New York Times?
1: Yeah, um, so I was working on the Android app, uh, the newsreader, so where oh. you read the news for Android users.
0: Oh, that's really neat. And you also said that you worked on some side projects during this time. I, like, imagine that maintaining an internship as well as, like, continuing through education, also doing your own side projects is a little bit overwhelming. So how are you able to, like, balance that?
1: So I feel like it's some kind of routine that you had to, like, kind of get into, like, You have to say 9, 5, 10, 6, I would get into the office and I would work strictly on what I'm supposed to write my internship. And then, I don't know, two hours after, I would work on prepping for job interviews, by the way, problems that I often ask. And then I get home, I chill for a little bit, I would do one hour of working on side projects. So it was really mostly about um, getting yourself into a routine and making sure you're not overwhelmed by just, oh my God, today I have all these things to do. Just try to organize everything and I believe it was very helpful in my time management.
0: Yeah. And I guess something that I guess throughout your entire experience here that you've really noticed is like resilience. Like I feel like a lot of us experience failures and we have people that delivery tell us like, I don't think you're capable and I'm sure you've experienced that as well. I guess what are, what should be our approach to overcome these comments and struggles and come back stronger next time? Like how are you able to build that resilience?
1: Uh, It's like, when you're an international student in America, and probably a lot of American students uh, feel the same way, that when you go to college, it's like your parents, um, or yourself, like your your whole family basically makes a sacrifice, they send you away, right, and in some kind of way, even though nobody talks about it, you're kind of, you have some standards, like you're held accountable, everybody counts on you, basically, like my dad sent me here, my mom sent me here, like I can't just go back and be yeah four years later nobody wanted to hire me I got a degree but it didn't really mean anything right. so personally it was like really thinking about that all the time like every time I would hit like like I would take an L I'd be like ah oh, man it's okay like I can't just stop right now like my dad like he struggled to go from Algeria to France and I, I can't even imagine how hard it must have been for him because he had nothing and me I'm here he saved all this money to send me here like I have like the best possible environment to succeed I can't just like fail like this like I have to put things in perspective like I often think about my cousins in Algeria where um, I remember a few years ago one of my cousins graduated high school and after that he just didn't know what to do like literally like still this day like he's still trying to find himself and it, it just hit me and I was like I have like opportunities that are crazy like even though like they're harder to get like I have access to opportunities that they would never get I can't just like ignore everything and just like Feel bad about myself because Company A didn't like me. You know,
0: right, right.
1: That's how I try to put things in perspective.
0: Yeah, I guess that's like a common immigrant experience as well. Like we are told, and not necessarily told, but we have an expectation for ourselves to keep ourselves accountable and work hard yeah. for our goals. Um, and I guess that's what keeps us moving for sure. Agreed. So I guess also another thing is like whether it be in like social media or in person, we always like share our successes, but usually this really unique thing where you talk about your failures and how that's made you stronger and how you overcame from them. Why do you think it's so important that we should be sharing our failures along with our successes?
1: Hmm. Um, yeah, so you know how often people say destination, like destination is not as important as the journey itself. And, um, until so, like, it, it hit me that like, I actually reached some kind of destination, I did not believe in all that. I was like, dude, like, if I could just get from point A to point B without having to take all those failures in the middle, like, I would feel the same way as if I took all those failures in the middle. But the thing is that one, when you don't get used to like, taking, like, uh, receiving rejections, receiving no's, et cetera, later on in your career, they're going to start happening. And at that point, like, you will have maybe a family, you'll have responsibilities and you will not really know how to cope with those like when you're a student like you get rejected you right. can't have an internship for the summer you can stay at school in your dorm you can go back home it's kind of different so I believe like you have to like always like empathize and share your failures because a lot of people also may be going through some stuff like every time I post on LinkedIn about my failures like I get a lot of people in my DMs just telling me oh man thank you so much I'm going through similar stuff and last year for example when I was applying for internships at Companies and everybody had offers except me. I would see all those posts on LinkedIn. Oh my God, I'm so happy I got this, I got that. And I was happy for those people. I'm like, wow, congrats, you deserved it, you worked hard. But I was here like, and I was like, man, like, <laughs> me, what am I getting? I'm just like getting rejection right. on rejection. So when you share your story, I believe it helps others put things in perspective and empathize with you, which is, I believe, something so important in our society.
0: Right. And I guess, when you were like reading all those like LinkedIn messages where your friends and other people got accepted, I feel like a lot of us have that common feeling when people you know we care about of course uh, in our like friend circle get opportunities, but you work just as hard or you feel like you deserve it, and you always have that question of like why not me? I feel like that really related and yeah. touched me a lot and I guess at those times, I know you might feel like initially like depressed or lonely, but I think there's like a huge amount of self belief and like lack of self doubt we need to instill upon ourselves. So I guess, how did you start, this is also really like tough question I know, but I guess, how <laughs> do you believe, like start believing in yourself? It's such a generic question, but I feel like it's something that so much so many of us struggle with. And Yeah,
1: um, start believing in yourself. <laughs> um, so it's not something that you can just not a switch that you can just flip on and off you know hey believe in myself no (laughs) don't believe in yourself so it's not something that uh develops just like that it's something that develops over time I believe um and it builds up off of all the work that you've done like of course you're going to meet people that haven't done anything in their lives and they're going to be so confident in themselves and you're like wow you just you were born like that but often way like often like when you see like people at the peak of what they do, and leaders of the industry, for example, Kobe Bryant, um, he would always say that, of course I'm confident in myself because I've put in so much work behind it that you can't come up to me and tell me, you can't talk like that. Of course I can talk this way. Of course I can't believe it myself because okay. behind the curtain, I was every night doing this, every time doing that. So I believe like belief in yourself is not something that a lot of us are just born with like that. It's more something that develops and builds on top of, everything that you sacrifice everything that you're working on so i hope it kind of makes sense that you have to like basically like work a lot to kind of like start believing in yourself and believing in your skills and believing in what you can achieve
0: right and i think the reason i ask that is i feel like it's so difficult because we measure our self-worth as well as our success based on you know high how high we're up on that social ladder or what type of jobs we get but i think Again, it's like kind of paradoxical because oftentimes you need to believe in yourself and think that I am capable in order to even achieve those higher positions and not just base our worth on, oh, I'm right here. And so that is my worth.
1: Agreed, yeah.
0: Yeah. So kind of shifting the conversation more towards job preparation because I'm sure you did like a lot of that. (laughs) Um, So you talked about like, when you you started like receiving invitations and opportunities to attend like various conferences from these really big companies, like what was your reaction and what did you learn from those experiences?
1: Yeah, so I'm um, still pretty fresh, cause it, ha- cause it happened like a few months ago, back in September, October. Like I was just mind blown. Like as I told you, like the year before, uh, two, three companies wanted to give me interviews and an offer, but everybody else rejected me. Like it's a very small percentage of how much I applied. <laughs> So I was just, mindful. I was sitting there and I was like, are you serious? Like me, like Southern Utah University, like nobody from high school made it to your company and you want me to be the first one to come to your interview with you to come to this conference. So it's just really mind blowing. And, um, I was just very grateful for being recognized in some kind of way.
0: Right. And. I guess preceding that or following that, you got some interviews at some like really big companies like Microsoft, Google, um, like Quora. And so talk to me a little bit about how you got those interviews and I guess how you approach those interviews as well.
1: Yeah, so uh, every time people ask me that, I just tell them there's like three big pillars. There's networking, <laughs> there's work, and there's a lot of luck. Because like <laughs> no matter what people say, there's all, there has this factor of luck that we just can't ignore. So networking, like, as a soldier, I'm from a small state school and we don't have, I think, anybody who works at Google. We don't have anybody that works as a software engineer at Microsoft. So I could not, like often, if I had this kind of network and to all of those listening to do, I would just tap into LinkedIn. I would just look at people from your school who are working at those companies and just reach out. And if you're like me, you don't have access to that. Right. Um, uh, last summer when I was in New York, I would just go on LinkedIn and I would, type people that work at xyz company for example i remember i met my good friend of mine like really great friend right now his name is cj he helped me so much with my resume like we spent literally four hours just revamping my whole resume and i met him on linkedin and i one day he was like how is it working at new york Times? And i was like oh you should come visit so he can visit and a week after i went to visit google and then we just like started building this relationship and eventually he helped me a lot my resume getting referral so you should not be afraid of reaching out and actually connecting with people in real life because that's what makes a whole difference mm-hmm. um the second pillar is work so you gotta work like of course not like, yeah gotta, like,
0: <laughs> can't slack whatever. off <laughs>
1: exactly you have to do whatever because like if you get networking luck but you don't have work like it's not gonna happen anyway um and also what's important is showing that work off like you can have, you can do amazing things during your internship, but if you don't know how to word it, how do you present it on your resume, nobody's going to like choose your resume out of this huge right. file to interview. And finally, like a lot of luck because, um, Microsoft, especially like Google, I had a referral, Facebook, I had a referral, which helped a lot. Um, but Microsoft, it was cold apply. Like I didn't know anybody at the company. I opened their website, <laughs> I sent my <laughs> resume and I somehow was selected for an interview. Like, so yeah. there's always this factor of luck, like you don't know what can happen, especially during interviews. Maybe somebody had a bad day before, he's mm-hmm. gonna come in and he's just gonna relieve all his stress on you. So right. you have to accept that sometimes things are not meant to be right now and believe in the greater plan.
0: Right, right. And I guess, you know, interviews are a really big part of a job application. And I guess I'm a high schooler right now, so I'm way far away from yeah. actually going through a <laughs> job or interview but I definitely think it's like a source of anxiety. And I think that's those are some skills that you need to start preparing now. So I guess if you were trying to prepare for an interview, what are some points that um, anyone should keep in mind while they're preparing and everything like that?
1: Um, yeah, um, so in general, I think what people want is um, to know that you're excited to work there. Like um, they, want you, they want to know that you feel like the, you're empowered by the mission want to actually work at a company you're just not going after a paycheck you're just not going after a job because you need a job so often mm-hmm. like recruiters and even engineers when you talk to them they kind of look for passion
0: right um, I remember my
1: first interview um, with Microsoft like we were talking and my recruiter like she was so amazing she got so excited for me because we started talking about um Satya Nadella the CEO and um he sent back actually a letter when he took position about how he wanted to revamp the whole company so we just talk about stuff that really showed that I actually knew about the company and I knew about the mission, what they're trying to build. So I feel like this is very important for anybody who's trying to apply to any job. And uh, more specifically for computer science interviews, which is which I'm most accustomed to. Um, CS interviews are different because um, often an interview is really a conversation with someone, but it's more behavioral, getting to know you, right? But CS interviews are problems. Like, it's an exam. Um, you come into the room, you have a whiteboard, they give you one or two problems, and you have to solve them with code. And um, to all of us that are struggling with that, there's a lot of resources. But basically, um, I would just go on Lead Code, which is a website to practice for those interviews. And I would spend two hours every day, every day, every day, just doing two problems a day and trying to understand how they work. So um, really, it's just, um, it's very stressful, this whole process. But I just have to think that somehow there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Right, right. And talking about your passion for CS, you did mention that you want to be a doctor initially. So talk to me about how you kind of switched over and changed your mind and pursued computer science. Yeah.
1: Um, so first of all, like, <laughs> there's a lot of school to be a doctor. I yeah. Like, right. I don't, I don't know if I want to be in school for the eight, ten years for the next eight, ten years while well, I could maybe
0: and pay like 100k every, exactly. every year.
1: And also like, it actually uh, played a huge part because I wanted to come to America and it was already a huge financial burden to do my undergrad here. But um, if I wanted to do my MD, whatever, like I would have to go to a bigger school, pay a lot more money. Mm -hmm. And it was not a burden I was specifically ready to put on me nor my family at the time. So I was just like, "Um, let's look for something else. And I was already like watching a lot of those movies about hackers and all that at the time. And I was like, this looks cool. I was like, let me try. And, um, before going to school uh for college i had like done a few like web pages just practice tutorials online and while i I was like "Uh, it's cool but it's not something that i want to do like i just um felt like i wanted to be able to basically build any vision i had in my head Uh and just share it with people like artists do that every time they can paint they can build stuff um architects they do that every time when they build up a building And I was like, engineers especially do that every day when they build code, when they build like structures, whatever. So I was like, I really want to do something that's um, material in some kind of way where you can see the results themselves. And so, yeah, computer science is just uh, something really cool I would watch on TV and I was like, people would think I'm smart if I type on that (laughs) black screen with green letters. So I just went for that. Right,
0: (laughs) right. Like I'm hacking the mainframe or something like that. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> so you currently work at Microsoft like what is your job and what is the experience like
1: yeah so um, I'm actually starting in uh, 11 days
0: <laughs> oh good luck yeah,
1: yeah thank you <laughs> so um I'm going to work as a software engineer um yeah. I don't I'm not I don't know what team exactly yet because uh when you're a new graduate like when you just graduated you don't okay. apply for a team you just apply for the general opening and then you get assigned a team
0: mm-hmm. so
1: um yeah uh, I'm really excited about it like I moved to Seattle a few weeks ago I got an apartment and I'm <laughs> trying to like understand how things work and I'm trying to learn the technology I'll be working with but, yeah I'm really yeah. excited it's like my first job we'll see how it goes
0: yeah how's Seattle
1: um well it's great <laughs> often great
0: <laughs> is it rainy? Right
1: no, right now, no. Actually, during the summer, it's really pretty. Um, oh, I went to okay. a few parks. Uh, the others are amazing, um, but uh, you can't really enjoy it. It's hard to tell right now because of COVID and the whole right. uh, situation with protests. So mm-hmm. I just like, uh, it's hard to really get a feel for the city.
0: Right, right. And ha- because of COVID, does that mean you have to work from home or has Microsoft opened its offices or anything
1: um i don't think they open them so i'm most probably gonna be working from home i was told they most they're probably gonna send me like all the equipment and Everything. i'll put it on the table and just work from here
0: good luck start working thank you very much <laughs> thank you <laughs> exactly thank you. yeah i guess going back to job preparation because i forgot to ask about resumes because yeah you did offer during this outbreak especially because a lot of people were losing their jobs to like review their resumes kind of what made you I guess think about starting that and what are some things people, recruiters look for in resumes?
1: Yeah, so um, I started that because, as I told you my friend uh, CJ um, earlier, he literally spent four hours on my resume. And I remember um, I sent him my resume, the first like iteration, and he just said, dude, this is crap. (laughs) And like, it hits me. I was like, wow. And I thought he was just gonna leave. And then he just like literally helped me change the whole thing. And I believe this made a huge difference in um, all the interviews I've got this year from last year. And um, I don't know, resume is all about showing your work. And even as I said earlier, you you could have done the craziest work during your internship, during your job, whatever, Mm -hmm. at school. If you don't know how to present it, how to formulate it, how to put it in sentence, nobody's really going to like pick up on that and understand what you did. So I was just like, I've learned some tricks from him. Like I understood how to present your resume, how to word sentences. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I know a lot of people who are struggling right now. And I was like, let's just try to give back and um, see how it goes. So yeah, I've had um, one phone call already um, and I have like three more set up that people reached out for. And uh, I'm just gonna try to help them and see if it does any good in the long term, Mm -hmm. you know?
0: Right, right.
1: And uh, you said, uh, what do they look for?
0: Yeah, I got what the recruiters look for in resumes.
1: Yeah, um, so it's hard to tell because um, every recruiter is different. And mm-hmm. really, the, the recruiter is the first door to get you into the interview process. So as I, I always say, the resume is what gets you the interview. But from that point on, it doesn't really matter your resume, it's all about your interview performance. So you really want to um, tailor it for recruiters. You don't want to put crazy, complicated words like about a Obscure technology, for example, you've used because like it probably doesn't make sense to a lot of people So you want to like make use it in human form and uh, you want to show metrics and numbers on your resume As I said, you have to show your impact You have to show how you specifically worked on that team and helped the whole company do something better I usually go with that format. I did X by using Y which helped by Z percent which improved Z people which so it's kind of the format I'm going for and uh, okay. resume actually, uh, recruiters usually like that because they understand better what you did. And right. um, one trick that I also learned, I used to always go with. Um, I would apply with one resume mm-hmm. for every job, and then I started tailoring my resume to every job posting. So, for example, I remember I rechained my whole resume for, uh, which got me an interview with Robinhood. It's a startup in California, right? And basically, like. It was a position for an Android job, which is what I do. And they had like very specific uh, things they were asking for in their job description and all those technologies I worked with them on my my internship. But as I said, there's no point in putting them because like they're kind of like not obscure technologies, but a lot of, it's very specific. So I just went back to my resume. I added those because I was like, I work with that, might as well add it. And those keywords helped me get an interview because often when you submit your resume to big companies, it's not humans who, take your resume all the resumes they have what's called an ATS an applicant tracking system and that applicant tracking system actually scans for keywords that were put in the job description by whoever posted it and then recruiters go on that system they type the keywords and they get the the best matches for the job description and from there they make a decision on who to interview and that leads me to my last point Um, a huge issue and I said it's a computer who reads your resume and a lot of people go for very good-looking resume, and I, I applaud them. I'm like, wow, this is really pretty colors, um, <laughs> logos here. But the thing is that once the com- when the computer is going to try to read that, it's just going to be a blank page because it cannot read all the logos, the weird fonts that you use. So Correct. I usually I would suggest to go with an ugly, basic <laughs> resume, black on white. Maybe just go like you read from top to bottom. You don't do anything weird in that because that's probably going to be easier for the computer to read it and actually help you get your resume in front of a real person
0: right right I guess the minimal knowledge I learned about building resumes is that you kind of have to tell a story about yourself and each of those experiences has to support that story am I correct or like off like awfully wrong
1: (laughs) What, what do you mean by story
0: as in like I'm assuming like this experience. So initially, this is like the reason why I was doing this experience, and this experience gave me this, and this is how I can apply the knowledge and skills I gained from this experience to, um I guess, your company or whatever job I'm applying for, in like the okay. shortest amount of words.
1: Okay. Um. Yeah, I agree, but um, I don't know. So personally, I'm not an expert in resume. I'm just saying it <laughs> yeah. for me. I try to kind of like keep separate um, my skills, which is my resume, mm-hmm. which is what I can do for you, and my story, which is what I talk about when I meet you. Um, uh, yeah. For example, when I was applying, uh, people often ask me, why did you go to the New York Times? Because I had a couple other offers, like why the New York Times? And that was something I would talk about when they would ask me or face-to-face. i would be like, well, I'm really in by their mission. I'm really involved in this and that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that was not something I particularly thought it was fit on a resume. Right. So I try to kind of keep separate those two things. Um, resume is for more of my skill, and talking to me is when you learn about my story and who I really am. Right,
0: right. That's absolutely right. High school has taught me nothing about career development, so I think. I'm oh here. me either. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you first when you were seventeen? Did you immediately go to college, or did you finish another year in high school?
1: Um, yes, yeah, so I graduated at, at the end of my seventeenth year. So okay. I just went straight to college after
0: good that's good so working in CS what are some I guess new developments or really cool things that are happening in the industry that you're really excited about
1: um yeah so there's obviously cloud technologies which is basically you know having everything available anywhere as long as you have an internet connection right Um, even like recently I learned how to deploy for example a server onto Mm -hmm. the cloud so before you you know, you see these pictures of big machines that, like, racked up on top of each other. So this is what a server is, technically. And before, if you wanted to do something, you would have to set up something like that for your company at home. And now, basically, people are just able to build something on their computer, like code, whatever, and just ship it to a service provider like Microsoft or Amazon. Google Cloud, Mm -hmm. And then it's just available. So it's just amazing. And, of course, like, the big buzzword everywhere is machine learning, artificial intelligence. Um I actually recently started taking a stab at it in the project I'm working with. Wow. Um it's, yeah, it's called TweetCare and basically it's like a you log in with your Twitter account and you build a f- watch list of 15 friends that you follow on Twitter okay. and every day you would refresh your feed on the app and it would flag negative tweets like in order to kind of raise awareness about mental health and kind of wow. suicide depression prevention and um it was very hard to do before, but now with all the recent advances in machine learning and all that, you can, computers can understand the tone of sentences It's called sentiment analysis. So you would push it like a, a string of words, and it would kind of infer if it was a positive, neutral, or negative text. And I just see like machine learning and artificial intelligence is just like this crazy field where applications are endless and they can really like change the world for the better in the long run. Wow,
0: that's really neat. Okay, so I guess both of my parents work in i t They are software yeah. engineers. My mom, um she got her master's in agriculture in India, so she's completely doing something totally unrelated, but yeah. <laughs> I always <laughs> I always was so confused of like what she's doing, but I guess I did get one opportunity to kind of kind of work in machine learning in high yeah. school and it's mo- definitely more geared towards like epidemiology and like scientific research so I guess my freshman year there was this guy who's now at harvard obviously who was working in um artificial intelligence and basically his plan was to um back then it was during the refugee crisis right so yemen was having like kind of like a cholera outbreak and so he decided like what if we track the different cases and so he would basically take all these different features such as like conflict data rainfall and all these and just train his model on existing data and then predict somehow in the future obviously i don't know what i'm talking about but But i guess it was just really cool and i just i'm definitely not going to see us based on what i'm saying but i mean, <laughs> I, I just i like to you know stand on the sidelines and cheer you guys on in awe of like what you guys are doing so definitely it is <laughs> to you um, I guess shifting back towards yourself and motivation, tell me about like a meaningful experience that kind of changed your perspective about something.
1: Um, a meaningful experience that changed my perspective about something. I'm actually going to share two quick. So I, a professor last year, actually, I went to see her and she did an internship probably 10, 15, 20 years ago. I don't know. not know, At Microsoft. And I was applying for jobs and I was like, hi, I really want to do this. I really want to be at those big companies. Can you help me? And uh, she was like, okay, I'll try. She helped me a little bit with my resume. And then um, one day Google came knocking and I passed their first like coding challenge, whatever. And they asked for like um, um, reference, somebody they can reach out to what they research with. And so I went to ask her, I was like, do you mind if I put your name on it? They may reach out. And she literally sat me down and she told me, yeah, sure, but if they reach out, I'll have to tell them the truth. I have to tell them that I don't think you're fit to survive in those environments that you can't make it there because she was there. And apparently she knows what those people are like, how they think. And she just didn't think I would be good enough. For that. And I was just mind blowing. I was like, what? And so <laughs> and that, from that point on, I really opened my eyes that people are going to just like Always doubt you no matter what because some sometimes for good reasons my mom used to tell me I would not make it because she didn't want me to get hurt when it wouldn't happen, and sometimes people are gonna doubt you because they have like some obscure reason that I don't know. So it was really like I from that point on I was like I can't rely on other people like that I can't just like go to people and ask for help like that, and um, it took me actually some time to work on that and be able to open back up and then I told you reach out to people on LinkedIn and be like can you help me with this. But um, it was just a really meaningful experience, opening my eyes about how people may be smiling to you and be cool with you in class, be super friendly, but when you ask for help from them, not all of them will actually be here for you.
0: Right, right.
1: Yeah, and uh, the second story is actually kind of funny. Um, There's a small company in my town, I won't name it. Um, I applied for them. Um, before I got my New York Times internship. I got rejected. I got my New York Times internship. I came back to school. I was looking for a part-time job. I applied again. I got rejected. I got my job at Microsoft. I applied again. And I, I seriously put Microsoft, like, I'll be here for this amount of time, but I'm going to work for this after I'm done
0: mm-hmm. with
1: school. And I got rejected again. And that company has maybe five employees, okay? <laughs> and at the time, I just realized, I was like, company A may not see value in you, but it doesn't mean that you don't have any know like it just mean like another somebody else will see it so yeah that was really also eye-opening
0: right right and this is also another really deep question I guess but if you were to promote like one message throughout your life um or maybe a couple if you want what would they be and what would it be
1: um (laughs) so actually like (laughs) so have you heard of Dr. Who sorry who Dr. Who
0: I feel like I've heard of him but I don't Remind me
1: yeah, of what it is. <laughs> it's it's a show on the BBC, that's been running on forever. It's like it's like a turbo nerd. Like you take the nerds and you take the subset of the nerdiest nerds, and they're we're gonna watch that. It's about time travel and all that. And um, the main character said something once, and I just like kind of try to stick with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just gonna quote it because it's just it's well put and kind of like easy to understand. So he said, the way I see it, like. Every life is a pile of good things and bad things. Um, the good things don't always soften the bad things, but vice versa, the bad things don't always spoil the good things that make them unimportant. So the same way you may be able to score X interview, Y interview, and it's, it's going to be great. But then after you're going to be rejected by those jobs, um, it doesn't make the fact that you were selected that just even consider it unimportant at all. It just means that it's not going to happen for now. So I try to always roll with that every day through my life when something bad happens.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I guess that goes back to the fact about like balance. Like we always try to target like, oh, this part of my life was so good. And then now I'm like, you know, kind of sucking really bad. But yeah. it's all about keeping in perspective about there's going to be yeah. things and bad things. But yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, I will definitely check out this show. I feel I've heard of it. Definitely. I just never got the chance to watch it. Do you know if it's on Netflix?
1: No, sadly it's not. It's the BBC, so they they don't oh, put on Netflix. I don't have yeah.
0: cable. <laughs> I, I don't have cable either. I haven't watched <laughs> it in
1: like a year or so, but
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's,
1: it's it's a favorite show.
0: My parents never got me cable because they thought I would just be like slacking if I just watched TV. So I guess I mean, make sense. that makes
1: sense somewhere. I would I would probably <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean there's something on the internet called YouTube which I still waste my time on. So <laughs>
1: that's true. <laughs>
0: But I guess winding down on our conversation, your TikTok is where I found you, where it's called The Positive Chance, and you dedicate it to promoting positivity. Why did you decide to dedicate your account to spreading positivity, and why do you think it's important, especially now?
1: Yeah, um, so, you know, when you go on Instagram, like me, I don't follow those kind of people. But a lot of my friends, for example, they follow all those supermodels and superstars on social media. And basically, like, they would scroll through their feeds, and they used to feel bad about themselves because they would see all those Photoshop pictures and edited mm-hmm. content where those people just look perfect, you know? Right. And so, me, I just fixed that when I was on my Instagram by not following those people. So, my feed now is fine for me. It's just my friends.
0: And then I went on
1: TikTok someday. I downloaded the first time, and um, my, the algorithm just started pushing me content nonstop about, like all the super perfect people, super successful people, nonstop. Right. And I would just go on my uh, For You page and I would feel, would feel bad about myself. I'd be like, <laughs> wow, this dude is like 22 and he's a millionaire. Wow, this guy is so high. Like, why? You know, I would look at myself and I would feel so bad about myself. And I took time off TikTok. I eventually came back and I was like, it's not because, like, I know other people feel that way. And I was like, we can probably like, try to spread a positive message that would maybe uplift others instead of. Just me going on my TikTok and just seeing people just flexing like, on their accounts. Right. So I was like, let's just go with something kind of different. And um I was my friend Kyle has been telling me for years, bro, you should share your story. It's a really cool story. You should right and so I posted that one TikTok and it it went viral. Right. Um, I think it's close to four hundred thousand views right now. And yeah. people started following me and all that, and I was like, Oh, there's some space here that people maybe are looking for there's something I can do and I was just like started posting videos daily about my journey and what I learned and how Mm -hmm. people should just like focus on positivity and lead with kindness instead of putting others down
0: yeah and I guess that's why I got so like excited about it because similar to what happened to you like the algorithm just pushed a bunch of content on well my main goal is to get into college right now so college and like oh, this kid got a perfect SAT and ACT, a perfect 4.0 yeah. GPA. And I was like, you know, TikTok is where I go to relax. Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was like, I was got so anxious. I'm like, oh crap, I'm doing nothing with my life. And I I guess it definitely took, I like like you said, I like deleted TikTok for a while and I went back on just for, because fun and there's nothing to do now. <laughs> but, <Yes>. um, <laughs> but I was so glad that there, people like you on TikTok that were promoting positive change because I don't think you know you know learning from failure and explaining how you overcame it and talking about how you learned from your mistakes and that made you a better person it's not something that's often talked through through social media even though there's only a select few people that do it. Thank so. you so much
1: thank you so much I appreciate <laughs> yeah. it.
0: <laughs> yeah definitely and I guess one of my last questions is what's next for you what are your future aspirations?
1: uh i don't know really um (laughs) like my whole life like i'll be honest my whole life things were kind of like i was expected by 18 to be out of the house
0: right and
1: wanted to go to america by 20 i was supposed to get my first internship by 21 i was supposed to get a job so everything was supposed to like fall in boxes and ride on time on a certain timeline and it's not healthy at all don't do that it's not healthy at all. right and uh right now i'm just like right now like i have no clue what's gonna happen like uh I'm lucky to have a job, so I'm mm-hmm. just trying to live in the present instead of focusing too much on the future for now.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah, I guess you're one of my first guests that said that because, which is probably a good thing, not, nothing against everyone else, but yeah. um, because they're always like having big dreams, they're really ambitious. Yeah. And it's, I think sometimes, like you said, it's like really important to just stay in the present, focus on now and just be grateful as well. Exactly, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Amin, for being on this podcast. I truly enjoyed learning about your story.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. You're very nice.
0: (laughs) Thank you.